What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Mark, summer has come. And how, how are you doing with the summer? Um, I'll tell you an interesting weather-related fact. I, I love weather. It snowed eight inches here two days ago. On on May 30th. Yes. So it, eight inches. A lot of snow. Everyone went skiing. So holy uh, smokes. It has been pretty warm, but that was a shocking blast back into wintry wintry mix. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's jump into where we're going today. Tell Tell me, tell me who we're going to be talking to today and how you found this cat. Yeah, I have been, as our listeners know, dipping my toe into the sneaker world for about a year now, a year and a half. And one of the more guilty pleasure, delightful things on the internet for me is an Instagram and social media account called Preachers in sneakers preachers mm. letter in sneakers preachers and mm. preachers and sneakers okay um but what they do is post photos of some of the kind of hotshot preachers of the world worship leaders whoever wearing absurdly expensive fashion gear usually street fashion so it started out as sneakers but now you might see somebody in a designer t-shirt or a jean jacket that costs as much as a forerunner. So um, I thought that was interesting and never really thought anything else of it until um, the the curator of this site published a book uh, that is also titled Preachers and Sneakers. That's and, what I would have titled it if I was him. Yep. And it... Uh, I read that book. I found it interesting. And at the end, in the acknowledgments, there was a couple of people that I know quite well. So Mm. I reached out to those people. I said, hey, do you think this guy, Ben Kirby, would be willing to come on the Abraham's Wallet podcast and talk to us about the intersection of luxury and American church culture and how we think about those things? And he said, yes, he would do it. So that's Mm. That's what we have to serve up for you today. Well, I, I appreciate that Ben, uh, the simple the simple fact that he raised his eyebrow at something that was popular and accepted and thought, now hold on a second, and then had the, had the gonads to say that publicly. Now hold on a second. And um, I, I think the topic matters to our people because all of us, are swimming in the waters of American Christianity. And you know the reason the reason Abraham's wallet exists is because we think that God has told us things about finances and home leadership that are largely ignored by the Christian culture at large and we wanted a place to talk to to fathers specifically and say, "Hey guys, this is the way of wisdom. We should walk in these paths because they produce life and they're faithful to, to God. 
And similarly, um, Ben is also saying there's something about pop church culture that we should be on the lookout for. Um, um, uh, you'd think I could come up with the reference here. I think it's Luke 12, 15 that says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And whenever I'm teaching this, particularly youth, I just talk about what do you think being on your guard means? It doesn't just mean, oh, being aware. That's good to know. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a, there's a, uh, an armed felon loose in the area. Well, now we know. Good to know. No, if you were on your guard, you would take active steps to protect yourself from this thing. And Jesus says, be on your guard from all kinds of greed. So how can we be on our guard? Well, one is to simply wave, wave a little red flag when you go, This might there might be greed present here today. So I think that the things that Ben is talking about regarding analyzing pop, popular Christian culture, I want our people to be inured against that kind of uh, nonsense that happens uh, broadly. Uh, Ben's pictures do appear occasionally in my feeds. There'll be a, either the uh, logarithm will throw them into my feed or, or so, somebody that I follow will link to one of his things. And it's always it's always a head shaker to me to go, I can't believe this nonsense is out there, but I want our people to kind of be able to learn from the things that uh, Ben has found. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for people to hear what he has to say. and. I think with that intro, we'll jump right into the middle of the conversation. Okay, here we go. Well, Ben, Kirby, it's super fun to have you on the Abraham's Wallet podcast. And um, I think one of the things that we've been doing recently is talking to people about how they came into unexpected kind of career twists and turns and your story might be one of the more unexpected twists. I know this isn't your full-time gig, but mm. how you came to be doing what you're doing now, at least with part of your time, is pretty interesting. So would you give us a recap of just how you ended up as Mr. Preachers and Sneakers? <laughs> yes. And to put it lightly, it was very unexpected and unplanned, and I'm still very unequipped for like the subject matter uh, that this whole account deals with. But um, about three years ago, I was this MBA student at SMU and was interested in sneakers at the time and um, grew up as a Christian, was involved with church. And I happened to, I was watching, randomly, I was watching some worship videos on YouTube and noticed one of the Elevation guys wearing some Yeezys that were super expensive, or at least were reselling for a high amount. And I had no plan for this or any real like angle. I just felt compelled to make a video like, Hey, did y'all know that these shoes are selling for 800 bucks? This guy's a worship leader. And there was some element of, you know, snark to it because kind of like we had talked about offline about the, you know, hundred thousand dollar sports car. There was something in me that didn't have a, like a granular, like I couldn't put my finger on it, but something felt weird or off or gross about it. And so I just made some kind of snarky videos about, you know, being on the elevation payroll. And I started to like the algorithm pretty quickly started serving up other videos of like Stephen Furtick and Hillsong and Transformation Church and Mosaic and all these pretty well-known churches with really big brands. 
I had posted these things on my personal Instagram account and I had a friend reach out and say, Hey, you should do an account just showing these two things. Like this is wild. Like the people don't know how much money is involved with, you know, the, the outfits and the sneakers, that kind of thing. And, um, pretty quickly I came up with the name preachers letter in sneakers and, um, started just screenshotting mega church pastors, preaching photos, zooming in on the shoes and then putting the price tag or market value of those shoes right next to the picture and then writing some kind of funny caption. And by doing that, people started to freak out. And, you know, after starting the account, I grew to like a hundred thousand followers in a month, not doing any ads, not doing any promotion, just like making those posts. And it was all organic. And so it blew up into this like very out of control, very heated thing where people were starting to take notice media was starting to reach out like mega church pastors were starting to reach out and a lot of people were very angry at what I was doing. And then uh, there was a whole host of people that were very encouraging for what I was doing. So that was three years ago. Uh, it's grown into, I don't know what, if it's a brand or if it's a, like a social experiment or what, but it's a network of social media accounts. It's a podcast. I wrote a book about some of the deeper things that came from bringing up the sneakers. And, um, now it's, it is what it is. Like uh, the point's been made. And so I'm kind of just like um, continuing to grow the account, but not really like, you know, trying to do much else with it. Like it, it it's a freestanding thing that um, is interesting and always like drives conversations still. But um, yeah, I, I do it part time and it's been a very wild ride. Ben, what made people angry about what you were doing? The, a lot of things, but the nature of putting those two photos next to each other without saying anything about whether or not having those sneakers was good or bad made people assign motive to it or intent to it that I never, ever like, uh, definitively said, like, this is always wrong that this guy's wearing these expensive sneakers, but it felt important enough to point out because it did cause such a heated response. Like, dude, if this wasn't an issue, bro, y'all would, y'all would not pay any attention to me. Um, right. There'd be and, shoulder shrugs from coast to coast. Right. And you know, the, you know, these guys get hit up all the time with criticisms and stuff. And so it was interesting to me that for whatever reason, this is what took more hold than, you know, any number of like theological criticisms that people bring up. All the time. Right. If you're a pastor, you're used to this kind of stuff, but um, for whatever reason it, it had, it got like uh, mainstream media attention. And so that made it more, I guess, like in your face. And I mean, the reality is, is that a lot of the, a lot of these pastors have very devoted fans to the point of idolizing these people. And so when you start to poke holes in people's idols, they take that as an attack. When in fact, like all I did yeah. was post their own photo with the factual price or market value of those sneakers right next to it. And that was enough to get people to question my salvation. I've exhausted my thoughts and opinions about the topic in the book. Like it, it took a lot for me to write a book about this topic because to your point, like I did not want to be in the middle of a church and money debate. I mean, I'm a people pleaser. I don't really like conflict yet. This is like the most contentious topic uh, or one of the most contentious topics out there in church. Um, or Christianity, I don't know. Um, so if I was, if I got inspired with another good idea, I'd, I'd be interested in writing another book, but 
if I can just get people to take uh, their faith and involvement with church seriously and not treat it like this, like wishy-washy social club where you're just going to get motivated and, you know, listen to good music, you know, like if you actually believe, I talk about in the documentary a little bit, like if you actually believe that eternity is a factor here, you probably should be caring a lot less about your aesthetic on Instagram um, of your church and more about whether or not people's lives are being pointed to God. Ben, I, I kind of want to cover a couple things today that I thought you'd be in a unique spot to give us some, some insight on. One is just how do we think about uh, luxury in general as Christians? Um, and if we could explore that for a minute, then how do we think about leadership in the church and what responsibilities are there that we do or don't expect of the pastor role? Um, kind of exploring that because it's not an easy answer. Kind of the, the there, there's a line that we obviously don't think is zero for how mm-hmm. much luxury, how much income, even. Um, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the fact that we don't think. Christianity is a call towards poverty. Um, and yet we see the prosperity people lurking in the corner waiting to tell us that our best life is is waiting just around the corner. And mm-hmm. there's a Bentley if we if we start a big enough church, you know, mm-hmm. that will pick us up from the airport, bring us bring us to the to the amphitheater every Sunday. So <laughs> um I thought we would kind of start there. Um I just wanted to review a few points before we jump in to the topic of luxury. And if if you've listened to this podcast a while, you guys might remember when we did a whole series on luxury. Um, but just to recap, if you're new here or if you've forgotten, one is God ordered his people's annual calendars around feasts that required significant expenditure and extravagance. And the command was to drink plenty of good wine and eat prime cuts of meat at least seven times a year. Um, This is an important image that Jesus himself used to describe our own adoption. We're like those invited to a feast. So saying no to all God ordained luxury, we would say is ill-advised. Um, in Genesis 21, Abraham himself was always up for a good feast. He, he seemed like the kind of guy that was looking for an excuse to throw a party in the sense that we're told that Isaac was weaned, and so he threw a giant feast. That seems strange as an occasion to throw a big party, but he did it. Um, and kind of thinking about Jesus in Matthew 11, uh, he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. And that's not because he was drinking watered down wine and eating from the salad bar. He he must have been, you know, as Stephen has said it before, pounding some Mexican food or eating an entire casserole of mac and cheese to raise the eyebrows of people who are already used to feasting like the Jews were seven times a year, you know. So there's this that we have to contend with. Uh, I'm still stuck on Abraham's wean party that you that you mentioned. I'm thinking of that as a wean party. Oh, well, that that's a different episode, Stephen. Okay, but. sorry. I mean, that's I just heard you say that. And, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, how to throw a ween party episode two hundred ninety one of Abraham's Wallet podcast. Fair, uh, you know, I, I think that we just covered tithing 
couple weeks ago. One of the tithes that's mentioned is a tithe just to take your family on an adventure, a spiritual trip. And you're supposed Deuteronomy 14. To, yep. You're supposed to use the whole chunk of money in that in that trip. So God demands it. It's a command to Israel. It's not a command to us. It's not law for us to do this. But no. we can look at it and go, hmm, the character of the Lord was to command sort of celebration and feasting. Commanding um, over the top, luxurious spending. Yes. Um, and kind of the last point I'll make is my boy Francis Schaefer uh, talked a lot about the decorations of the temple. And if we look at Second Chronicles 3, there's these details of how the temple was supposed to be built. And there's pomegranates and lilies adorning columns that support nothing, which tell us sometimes the Lord says, I want beauty and just extravagance for the sake of worship. So, we, we aren't necessarily people that say the, the hyper-Christian life is to sit in an unadorned room alone with a sackcloth robe and pray all day. Um, that being said, <laughs> Ben, you've spent the last few years deeply kind of mired in the world of what happens when we start going for luxury as the goal. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of curious if what you've seen in that world as you've kind of peeled back the layers has made you think differently about the general topic of luxury and the Christian life. I have thought about this a lot and have talked with many people and studied this a lot. Um, and really when I started the account, part of me was like, dude, I don't know any reason why anybody could wear a pair of $1,500 shoes while preaching. I just can't relate to that at all. There's no reason in my mind where it makes sense. And then as I began hearing from people and meeting um, some of these guys, I at least came to understand why it would maybe make sense to them. Like a lot of, you know, when we're talking about these kind of like it's a, it's not a good term, but like hipster mega church pastors, a lot of these guys are connected yeah, to very, skinny jean pastor. Yeah. Very powerful, generous designer connected people like Bieber, Kanye, Virgil Abloh, um, Jerry Lorenzo at fear of God, Drake. I mean, a lot of very important influential people. And I, I, I heard many stories where these pastors who were hanging out with Bieber would walk through some kind of designer department store and Bieber would basically just say, take whatever you want. Um, and, or he would gift him some very expensive watch or jacket or whatever as like a thank you for being his friend or helping him through tough times or whatever. And so there came these like nuanced situations that I had never thought about before where it's like, what's the, what's the right thing to do when somebody gives you a gift of that magnitude? Is it to say, dude, I can't take this because people online are going to roast me for wearing something super expensive or is the right thing to do to accept it. And then also maybe be wise about when you wear that thing, if you're a public figure. Um, So the whole idea of luxury is the answer is frustrating because um, it's usually, it depends but there also is like some shadow line for everybody where there is a point where it's too much. And it it's, I'm not a moral relativist, but there, it is different for different people. 
Like some people are okay with a pastor gallivanting around in a private jet. Others think it's completely obscene. And I think there's maybe merit to something in between. Um, but what I could say is on the luxury piece is like the moment, like, so if, if we're talking specifically about pastors who are called to shepherd God's people, a very defined role in the Bible with very defined requirements and callings, a higher calling and a higher level of, you know, judgment and accountability. Uh, the moment your dress or lifestyle becomes a distraction away from your purpose as a pastor, I think that's when it's wrong or that's when it at least requires some auditing. And um, for a lot of guys and girls out there that are building their personal brands and, you know, lucrative ministries, some of them don't seem to care about that and are just want to uh, write people off that have questions as haters. When in fact, it's like, dude, I don't, it depends on how you define what a pastor is. Like if you think a pastor is just a guy that's a good communicator that is really good at building teams, then of course you're going to be mad when people are like, Hey man, this seems like you're living pretty lavishly. But if you believe that you're charged with shepherding people's souls, then you should probably take it pretty freaking serious and not care so much about, uh, appearances and numbers and, um, you know, who you're hanging out with on the weekend, that kind of thing. Where do you draw the line personally as kind of a, a guy that has a good job, probably mm-hmm. does fine for for himself, but also follows Jesus and wants to to be a good steward with money? How do you split that as an enthusiast of this shoe game where you can buy an adequate pair of shoes for $30 at Payless or you can mm-hmm. spend $5,000 on some Red Octobers? Right. Yeah. Uh, great question. And, uh, when I started the account, I was very much into sneakers. I was doing a lot of flipping. That was the most fun part to me was like the little arbitrage piece where you could get lucky sure. by, I think the best one I did was I, I got lucky on a, uh, raffle for some off white Jordan ones. The, the first ones that released, I bought them for one ninety and sold them for like $1,400 the same day. And after doing that, I was like, Oh, this is, this is, I look this is kind of nice um, because certain, certain ones are so limited. And if you get lucky enough to win the opportunity to purchase some, the resale value skyrockets. And if I, if I held onto those yep. shoes and sold them last year, they would have, they would have made like 5,500 or $6,000 because the more people that wear them, you know, it's a supply and demand thing. Like the more scarcity there is, the price goes up. Um, now, you know, admittedly we had, we had our first child last year. Uh, so he's like 13 months now. My priorities shifted pretty heavily overnight where, uh, my ability and desire to buy shoes went down pretty significantly after that for good reason, I think. Um, but overall, like just like, you know, a random lay person being into luxury stuff, like let it be known. Like I live in Dallas where, everyone is trying to live in luxury. I went to SMU, which is in the richest part of Dallas. And, uh, I have a for-profit job and trying to make money to pay a mortgage and have a car and go on vacation, that kind of thing. So, um, what I'll say is that I think you can't do it in isolation. Like if you, and our church in Dallas is very heavy on community groups and other churches don't maybe care as much about that. But, um, I think the way to do it 
is, I mean, really you can't have, you can, I think you can have things, but if the moment, and this is pithy, but the, the moment that things have you is when it's an issue. Like where if I care too much about saving money and buying sneakers or care too much about going on a dope vacation or buying a new car or whatever, now my priorities are like I'm making an idol out of those things, I think. And that is misaligned if I, if I claim to follow Jesus. And the only way that I can really know whether or not things own me is having people speak into my life and know me enough to know if I'm uh, obsessed with my hobbies or too obsessed with making money, which admittedly I think about money a lot um, as I'm sure you guys do um, since you work in the industry. If you're always trying to buy luxury goods in order for people to think that you're successful, uh, hopefully you have people around you that can speak into that and say, Hey bro, you care way too much about this. Like you need to repent. Um, you know, it's like some good things can be good for people and other good things could be the downfall of them. You've been in the world, Stephen, of church land in Texas. You've done fastest growing church in America and Ohio. I'm curious what you think about how Ben's answer then moves into the space of ministry. You know, that's, it's such an interesting uh, question because I think I think that that we have a latitude privately in our lives that we don't have when you step into um, the box that's called leadership, or when you are presented as leadership, there is not as much latitude as there would be for um, a forgive the term private private a lay person, you know. So. Um, at my previous post, there were times when we had we had connections to a guy who was a Cincinnati guy and then left Cincinnati and became the president of marketing at Google. Very important guy in that world. And when he came back home, he's a he's a stand-up believer and worth listening to. I mean, he's always been a leader and and so he is in the corporate world. So we had him speak a couple of times. And he would he would, you know, both in the things that he said and the way that he presented himself, well, this was one of my jobs just to give some editing to what, what happened on stage. And so I found myself needing to edit him both in the way that he talked because he was describing his world, which was honest. I understand that's his world, but it put him in such a elite stratosphere that it was not relatable to the people that were sitting in the pews pulling down 45 grand a year and going like, we, we, we did not hurt our knees skiing in the Alps last year. Mm -hmm. So I had to work with his content. And similarly, we had to work with the way that he presented himself sometimes because what he's wearing, there's a difference between, Hey, wear dress sharp and look like you're dressed with care. That's great. And also the world that Ben traffics in is these earmarks, these signals of elite world. And and wearing a brand or a kind of shoe, I'm not nearly as uh, aware of fancy shoes as you guys are. Um, it's not that owning that shoe is wrong. It's that justifiably question marks go shooting out of people's heads when you step up on stage wearing that. Because just the way that you present yourself as a leader is seen as an example 
to everyone who's looking at you. So I was the worship leader for this huge, successful megachurch for years. And I'm playing in front of tens of thousands of people on a weekend. And I was always so aware that everything that I did, the guitar that I played, the way that I did my hair, every piece of clothing that I wore would be justifiably scrutinized by the people looking at me. So if I was wearing a polo shirt all day long, I would make sure I had a plain t-shirt that I wore on stage because I don't want anybody, say somebody who's not in the faith or somebody who's new to the faith, I don't want them to look at me and think there's something about making it in Christian world, which there's, you can't get away from the fact if you're on stage, you're on camera, even the way that we're presenting ourselves right now, we're shooting ourselves out as, as examples on this podcast. In some degree, we're describing that we made it and you should be listening to us. I was certainly doing that on that stage in front of thousands of people saying, there's something about me that's worth listening to or paying attention to. And just by just by the way that we present ourselves, these people who wear sunglasses on stage, people who, you know, it's the middle of summer and they're wearing a, bit, wearing a big wool cap or fingerless gloves on stage. They are saying something with their presentation. And I was always super aware of what was being said. I, I'm just going to read a, a passage because I'm, I, I feel very sensitive as we're talking that any opinions that the three of us or any listeners or whatever successful mega whoever has, they don't, they don't actually mean anything. What, the question is, how are we interpreting what the scriptures have to say? So ben, ben mentioned earlier that there's specific descriptions of church leaders, and there's not what they're going to be wearing, but it's character, and certainly you can see character in what the way we present themselves. So I'm, I, I am picking and choosing. I, I, I admit that out of, um, first Timothy three in the, in the list of, and uh, the description of church leaders. So I'm just going to pick, we've done this before in talking about money because so much of this has to do with money. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. read starting with, uh, the beginning of the chapter first Timothy three. And again, there's, you're going to hear a lot of ellipses in what I'm reading. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over. If a man desires the position of a bishop, or that is an overseer, a leader, he must be blameless. Okay, just think of how somebody presents themselves on stage. Blameless, that means he cannot be blamed by the way that he presents himself. He must be temperate. He must be sober-minded. That means that you don't look like a clown. You must be sober-minded. Not greedy for money. Could the way that you present yourself suggest that you're greedy for money? Yes. Not covetous. That is, I, I want more and more. Not somebody that could be puffed up with pride. He must have a good testimony among those who are outside lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. So I just see in that passage, there's a lot about temperance, there's self-control, and it's not, the word is not used, but I hear moderation in there. I hear, don't get over your skis. You know, don't, don't act like you, you've, you're really something special. That doesn't, 
that as Ben is saying, that doesn't connect with your message, which is God is great and I need him. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a fool, a sinning fool who needs a good savior. And if you are strutting around like a peacock, it doesn't really connote that message. So I'm, I'm just going to, as I, Ben, I pay no attention to popular Christianity. I don't know who the popular speakers, authors, or pastors are. I don't traffic in the world of successful Christianity. So I'm asking you as somebody who wades in those waters, is your sense, having lived in church life for as long as you have, is your is your sense that I I know that there is a miniature level of fame that every lead speaker enjoys. I know that they all get applauded every week by thousands of people. Do you think that that little fishbowl that they live in, um, is your sense that over time, as the megachurch model has become more common, that our leaders have become, I know this is painting with a very broad brush, that humility is more rare than it used to be, and that temperance, as we're as we see in First Timothy three, has has gone out the window. It's at least uh, r- riskier than it was, probably being uh, adored by tens of thousands of people at scale yes. now, where you can have a platform of five hundred thousand to a million people all saying, "Like, come on, preach it! That's so fire! Wow!" bring it like yes. people standing up in the moment wow. you say, any, say yeah, wow. any kind of pithy statement, like you rattle off some alliterations and people start getting on their feet. It's like, of course that's going to go to your head, bro. Um, and when you're yes. doing it, like I I've experienced this and you know, people think I'm on, on a high horse. It's like, no, I enjoy this feeling too. Like I enjoy the feeling of people saying like, Hey, what you're saying is important or what you're saying helped me change my life. This book helped me change my life as like an idiot dude that is just trying his best, like all of that over and over and over, of course is going to go to your head unless you're like a sociopath, yeah. like that doesn't feel anything. It feels good to be <laughs> right. people. It feels good to right. have people affirm the things that you're saying or the things that you're doing. And it, it was shocking to me from the beginning that people weren't more or people in those positions weren't more paranoid about the things at risk for them. Like so many of these churches are led by a husband and wife couple at the top, truly with no elder board or no oversight board, or if it's an oversight board, it's oversight by literally their buddies. And, uh, once a year, more than once a year, you see, uh, influential famed pastors make some kind of moral failing and their entire ministry gets eroded to me. Like, having experienced a taste of this, I'm super paranoid about that calling and the weight of your influence because it is not a game. Like it's crazy that some of these guys are still just doing the same things that they've been doing, hanging out with the same celebs, posting the same like um, well curated pictures of them preaching and giving over big oversized novelty checks to uh, you know, like nonprofits (laughs) And it's, yes. this is not without like putting everything at risk, bro. Um, so I think yes. you know, more so than ever, it's at least playing with some form of fire. Like inherently it's not wrong to be good at speaking or to be wrong or to be good at building a leadership team and building a team below that and building a brand, I think. 
but you at least have to acknowledge that there's a ton of responsibility and a ton, like very little margin for error um, when you have that kind of influence. And so that's a great point. I, I, I really liked what you said earlier about, you know, leading worship in front of tens of thousands of people, because you don't want to be controlled by fear uh, from the opinions of strangers that you may never meet because that doesn't seem healthy, but I think it's born in wisdom to understand that, what you do say where on a, on a platform like that, representing the God of the universe, uh, you should at least be willing to consider what that stuff conveys. And if you don't, that's pretty naive. It's part of the burden of influence and leadership is that people are going to poke holes at what you do. And it's just a matter of being secure about the things that you are doing and being open and teachable to the things that are your blind spots. Like sometimes I, my wife several times has been like, you love this too much, bro. Like you, you know, you really like talking to celebrities more than you probably <laughs> should, that kind of thing. And you have to be open to critique and then validate that critique with people that know you really well. Expensive sneakers is the very tip of the iceberg. And the iceberg is, uh, is the temptation to think that you're something. Right. And yes. I, I, I can just tell one more anecdote. We were one of those places where we have five services and there's turnover and they got to get the parking lot emptied and get the new crop of, of, of uh, audience in for the next show. And um, it was a very normal thing for the musicians to go out into the atrium, maybe see a couple of friends, get a drink, and then come back and reset for the next thing. And I it was always just my habit, and I could say this for my good friend uh, Josh, the same, that we went through that whole thing together. We just wouldn't go out there. We just wouldn't go out to there to those people because we know what happens out there, which is people that don't know us see us as a low-level celebrity. They're going to come give us a compliment or ask us what kind of gear we're playing, and we get a little soul bump out of it. And then we come back, and the question isn't, forgive me for making this sound way over spiritual, but the question isn't, was the Lord pleased by what we did? Or even did we do our jobs? Well, you suddenly just go, of course we're, we're doing great. They love us. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and I, you made me think of that there was, I got criticism for not, you know, be out there with the people they want to, they want to have some connection to the leaders and feel like they know you. And I thought, I'm sorry, my soul is at risk here. I'm not doing it. I, I'm, I, I'm, it's, this is more important than good PR. I, I'm, yeah. I'm simply not going to go out there and glad hand people because I, I feel it's dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think of, we live now in a world where of social media, most mega pastors feel my popularity and likes for me equals the kingdom of God going forward. Yep. And so anything that I can do to ingratiate myself to my audience or my possible audience has to be a good thing, right? And there's I, there's such a danger. I'm trying to think of there's there's not so, there's not only a danger for would-be celebrities and somebody who has a gazillion followers like you do, you qualify as somebody mm-hmm. for whom this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mark and I qualify for somebody for whom this is dangerous. Would we like a bigger following for Abraham's wallet? Sure we would, because we believe in the stuff that we're saying. We think it's God's truth. We're excited about it. Okay, 
what about what about you guy listening to this and you and you uh you lead a bible study in your home and the bible study goes from five guys to 20 guys i'm telling you it's the exact same rush on a much mm -hmm. lower level the same thing we're popular we're doing good people like us and i don't know how do we make it cooler and all mm -hmm. it's a we it's a very weird process to get into and it's and it's scary yeah Mark, what it's do like, you do what, what do you ahead. do with the temptation to be so cool the biblical model of leadership is service right yes um, and asking how can i serve you know the critical skills course stephen that you created there there's a a thing on rejection and humility that just says here is how to deal with when you realize there's a humility issue in your heart. And part of it is just get rid of everything that you can't easily answer. How am I serving the church with this role? Um, mm. You know, uh, we could, we could go on and on about the, the mega church stuff we've seen, or frankly, I live in Salt Lake city where there is no mega church by standards of Texas or even Cincinnati, but, but there's churches with a thousand people and yeah. it's the same dang yes. scene. Same thing. Where there's somebody up there and they're super like rah, rah, rah. And the same dynamics are happening. So, uh, you know, one of the things we've always talked about here is the, the church's job is to equip fathers, if you will, um, to equip people. Um, but for most of our listeners being dads, I think... The job of the the minister guy, if you and your community pool your money and say this person's service is so valuable that we want to pay them so they can do it full time, well, their job is to equip you for the assignments that the Lord has for you. Amen. Um, and even when I step into my little leadership role of leading a group of guys or leading a Bible study at my house, both of which are things I do. I think I've thought a lot in the past couple months when we've had some big relational kind of challenges of, did I start making this about me being the cool guy? I have said before, hey, we have more listeners to this podcast than any pastor in my state preaches to on the weekend, um, which is, I, I think there's some sin in that. And it's kind mm. of... Um, it kind of is the same poison that gets in and would make me want to, you know, do whatever these other guys are doing that Ben ends up making, making famous on Instagram. <laughs> what were you going to say, yeah. Ben? Oh, well, I was just going to say God could be working and that could be causing this crazy growth. But at the same point, it can also feel really good and feel like, oh, you're something special and you've been gifted and you've figured out a way to do it differently. And that could very quickly pollute your uh, success is due to your efforts versus how much God just has right. grace on you. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and you made a point earlier about the likes and the comments and stuff equating yes. because I get the logic where it's like, okay, I've got a million followers, a million people are at least getting some kind of exposure to the gospel or some form of the gospel. Um, you know, a lot of these guys have variations, pretty strong variations. Of what the gospel <laughs> yes, is. Some um, permutation. Yeah. But that very quickly turns into this whole kind of like old school attractional model where now 
You just care about filling the top of the funnel. It's like, all right, I'm just going to do stuff at scale. I'm just going to push stuff out in high quantities and let God do the work close to the bottom of the funnel. It's like, no, this is how you get all of these kind of vanilla surface level churches where people are just coming to consume versus try to actually like put the work into discipleship or changing their life or um, following God or taking care of the community, that kind of thing. And so I just think it, I mean, I guess I'm, we're all agreeing with each other, but that uh, it can be very dangerous if you start caring about the metrics too much, even though God could be like putting you in a position to affect people at a large scale, but you should at least be very uh, concerned about its effects on your heart and your pride and your, um, you know, sense of reality because it can very quickly distort that. Did you ever see like repentance come out of some of the conversations you had or light bulbs go off in people's brains where they said, Oh, praise the Lord that somebody was there to kind of highlight this for me at the end of the audiobook that yeah. I recorded of which is like $2 right now. So like I'm not making anything like truly not making anything on the book. I Judah Smith, who's one of the biggest dudes out there right now. He's Bieber's pastor. He's, he's one of the like head honchos of this whole movement, I guess he was kind enough to do an interview with me podcast style at the end of the audiobook, but he at least acknowledged that he felt like this was a helpful tool to bring some of them down a few notches to, to remind them that like, Hey, you're not celebrities. Like you're not special. Like you are a pastor. You are charged with the role of pastor. You are not a movie star or rock star, whatever. And so I at least appreciated him acknowledging like, Hey, there is some value here. This isn't just you being a troll. I can tell that you're not trying to be a troll and that your heart is to get people to actually discuss this kind of thing. Um, so he was one of the rare instances where he was one willing to just talk to me and two um, acknowledge some of the nuance with this and also acknowledge that some of these concerns were valid, um, which I really appreciated um, because I had posted about him several times and people roasted him and his wife on Instagram. Like I'm not proud of like some of people's responses to the, to the things I post, but I appreciated his self-awareness at least while some of these guys have none. And um, their response, like you, I've seen very different true colors from people that have very massive platforms, which is like super discouraging when you, when you, say that you believe the same things as each other. Whether people agree or disagree with the conclusions that we're making, I am certain that this kind of public exposure of money and someone's life is going to to bring up values and uh, conversations about vision and what's important to a person. So mm -hmm. that's what we experience every single day, working with families and talking through money stuff. Uh, and most of those families are not wearing off whites. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, we should promo this episode by giving away like a, a free pair of off white Jordan ones yeah, right. that are fake think, or something. I think um, you'll be uh, shocked about what you'll have to pay in order to get your hands on that. <laughs> but that would be good promo. I think yeah, that would yeah. drive some uh, engagement for sure. Uh, I really. Appreciate it. Where can people follow you, find out more of your stuff? What's yeah. the best way for people who want to be on top of what you're doing next to find you? 
uh, preachersandsneakers.com is where everything is. Uh, my, my biggest account is on Instagram. So if you're interested at preachers, letter in sneakers on most of the socials, um, you know, I, I put a lot of work into the book. And so if people want to check out the book, like it's basically free now, um, so used or new. So if people are interested in hearing more of my takes about this kind of topic, they can check out the book or the audio book. Ben, I, I just want I just want to say we we see throughout the scriptures that greed is a constant problem. It is a massive temptation in the church. And I just want to say thank you for poking the bear. I, I'm I know that uh you can get snake bit when you stick your hand in there, but I'm mm-hmm. I appreciate you doing that. And uh we bless you that um one, that you will stay close with the heart of God and that you'll you won't ever uh stray because of side interests or or uh, the the fear of man or any of that garbage and as you were saying that the, the best way to be kept safe is to be truly known by some people and and so I just bless you that you, all the relationships that are that are deep that are around your life will stay honest that will stay grounded and so that you're kept safe so we bless you in your home and we thank you for giving us your time today Thank you guys. That that means a lot. I, I appreciate the encouragement. And yeah, love you guys' podcast and I appreciate y'all giving me some time here.